Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Welcome to the Surfcast, Mobile Surf's Canadian tech-focused podcast. I'm Patrick O'Rourke, Mobile Surf's editor-in-chief, and as always, Brad Bennett, a man who still refers to himself as the bad boy of tech, no matter how many times I tell him not to. I've been thinking about going back to host with a ghost, but we'll see. You're going back? You're changing it? Maybe. Yeah? Yeah. How are you doing? Good. How about you? Pretty good. Tired. It's really early. Really, 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 really early right now. But um, we get to be in this awesome studio. We do. You guys haven't noticed. And it's, uh, it's, it's quite stunning. It's uh, a little bit nicer than the, the mobile syrup digs that we're used to. That's true. And, of course... This week, we have a little bit of a different situation. Uh, we have a guest on the podcast, Elaine McKenna, a Montreal-based technology journalist that's covered the industry for decades. He currently <laughs> writes for Le Devoir. I feel old. Yeah. I, I mean, that's that's one of the, the reasons why I wanted you on. Uh, the mobile store team always makes fun of me because I'm the, the oldest person on the team. You, you've been to way more Apple events than me, so I'm very excited to, to see your insight. All right. Um. I think the way that I want to kind of structure this, just because I know we have a, a somewhat limited time frame, is I want to just off the top talk about the overall Wanderlust event. Mm-hmm. Um, how how did you guys feel about it? Like, I just want to do a temperature check a little bit, Brad. What did what did you think? Um, I liked it. I mean, going into it, very excited about the phones. I'm always like hoping for new camera improvements, but honestly, the Apple Watch and and Double Tap stole the show. So. I, Leaving the event yesterday and actually trying that, I think, really changed my opinion on it, and I'm very excited going out of it. Yeah, when I when I tried the double tap, it kind of it almost felt like magic. I, I don't know if you had the opportunity to try it out. Yeah, it's a nice feature. It's uh, well, we discussed this last night, right? There's there were accessibility features in the previous Apple Watch that had similar interface. Yeah, stuff. assistive touch. Yeah, uh, so it but it feels more refined. It feels like there were more effort put into it, and I think that gesture interfacing thing could like evolve into something pretty cool with the watch, in, like in the near future or whatever. So overall, like I don't want to, I don't want to like review score the event, but <laughs> but how how did you guys feel about it? Like, did you leave with like a positive impression of of what's to come in the next couple months? I think so. Yeah, I like I'll put a number on. I'll give it like a high 8.5. Uh, a yeah. solid mobile syrup 8.5. I think so. I enjoyed it. Um, it's my first <laughs> iPhone event. I've only been to WWDCs in the past, so phones, watches, I'm happy. I had a good time. What about yourself, Elaine? Well, it's a very well-tuned event because it's been doing it for many, many years, right? And uh, there are so many rumors now before the keynote that we expect so many things that we all have. We always have to kind of lower down our expectations because obviously they have to, you know. Uh, make do with what we expect. Mm-hmm. There were so many things in so many directions that having just the watches, the new watches, the new phones was actually quite quite enough because I think it's a very important year for Apple in terms of uh, renewing their um, their uh, the owners that have iPhones that want to maybe buy a new one. Uh, so they had to have that strong message on the new phones specifically. And the whole thing we saw about the environmental uh, responsibility that Apple has mm. uh, put forward and saying, well, the carbon neutral watches that that and their targets for 2030 
are um, pretty aggressive. So that's nice that they put this front and center instead of just saying it at the end. Like, oh, by the way, we're just like doing stuff for the environment and that's it. Yeah, it was kind of the theme of the whole event in some ways, which is, I, I, I know that Apple's always had an environmental angle with things, but I think it was the first time that it felt that was like the focus beyond beyond the products. That was the focus and the direction of the it. It felt like a feature being announced. Like there was a skit for it. It was really cool. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's a good segue into the actual products, which I think is something that our listeners uh, primarily care about. So first up, we have the iPhone 15. Um, I, I would describe it as it's it's a meaningful refresh, but it's also marginal in some ways. Um, Brad, I know you'll get into some of the, the camera stuff. Uh, but off the top, obviously, there's the USB-C port. That's a big thing. Um, A16 chip, we're not jumping to the A17, at least with the, the base level iPhone. Um, two times zoom through sensor cropping, which I think is a useful feature. Uh, I guess, Brad, how did you feel about it? Like, do you think this is a phone that if someone was rocking a 14, they'd want to move up to a 15? Or do you think it's like an, if you're, if you're on an older iPhone, this is kind of the year for the upgrade? Yeah, I don't know. It's hard to tell. Obviously, the one-to-one year jumps never really, like, pan out being the most like exciting especially if you're on a contract it's hard to like buy out and buy any phones pretty expensive but yeah i don't know i'm still a big fan of it similar to the 14 last year like and the 15 pro this year it's been built the way that makes them more repairable so ideally it should last you a lot longer i'm always a big fan of that um but the camera improvements compared to the 14 it's a 48 megapixel sensor but in our experience i don't know you guys were using the 14 pro last year which also had the 48 megapixel sensor I don't think I shot that many 48 megapixel photos. Like a lot of it was a 12, whatever. So I don't think the 14 to 15 is a big jump, but similar to Elaine, when you were sort of hinting at this might be a big year to refresh people. I think people coming off 12s, oh, yeah. this is a big jump for that. So do you do you think that this is a big refresh year just for like the average Canadian consumer? Uh, well, I, yeah, I think so. Uh, obviously for Apple, it's a worldwide thing, right? Because yeah, of course. Yeah, people yeah. across the world buying the phone, but... Um, the main focus was definitely on the USB-C, uh, talking to other people in like, you know, more broad, uh, broader media. Uh, that's true. Uh, yeah. they, they would only want to talk about the USB-C port because that's a big change for, for most people. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, there are all those specs that also evolved, but that's a big thing. So I think that's a big change for most of so that was enough for a new, a new phone. But I wouldn't change the 14 for a 15 right now. It feels more like people have a iPhone 12 or, or you know. Yeah, other than that, would, yeah. Would I think when the cheap. 12 switched to those squared off edges, that was like a big buying factor. New design generally mm-hmm. brings in a lot of people. And then so that was three three years from now, years which I think in them. modern buying cycles is like phones easily last that long. So this is a good time. And I guess the one thing I will say compared to the 14 is they did round out the edges a little bit more. It's not iPhone 11 level round, but it's way less sharp than 14. 12, 13, 14, and I'm a big fan of that. I know most people use cases anyway, but... Uh, the Pro has that too, Yeah, right? both yeah, of the yeah. 15 series phones have the rounded edges this year. One of the things that stood out to me with the 15 is the fact that it's still USB 2.0 in terms of transfer speeds, even though it's USB-C. I personally don't care about USB transfer speeds because I don't remember the last time that I plugged my iPhone into my computer. Like, when that notification shows up on my Mac asking if it... I want to give my Mac permission. I'm like, oh, that, that's still a thing you can do. It, it doesn't even occur to me at this point. Um, do you guys think that matters? Like, you do a lot of photography work, Brad. Yeah, I've you def- transferred batch photos. Like, is that I've something? Definitely had times. I don't know. It's tough. So, because of our job, and I make a lot of videos from Rebel Syrup sometimes. Like, last year I made a video, like, fully shot on the iPhone 14 Pro, and I had a year before that, like, a 13 Pro. So, when I'm making those, I have, like, tons of footage and offloading that. It's like, oh, yeah, as much transfer speed as I can get because I'm offloading, like, hundreds or so clips. But in my day-to-day life, not not really. I still rely on AirDrop for, like, 90% of my photo transfers, even mm-hmm. short videos, anything that's, like, 
under a few minutes airdrop generally whoops generally does it fairly consistently um you know when i'm trying to batch drop like 50 videos sometimes it won't work as well but you know for most cases for most like casual cases never been looking for more speed honestly excited about it on the pro but will i ever really utilize it to that max potential i don't know that's kind of how i feel about it um elaine is that important to you transfer speeds at all well, I do most of my transfer speed wirelessly as well. Okay. So no, uh, transfer uh, uh, photos, sorry. And I, I'm thinking people that will need that extra speed on, on the wired uh, connection will actually buy a Pro or Pro Max anyway, so it's no big deal for, for those people. Yeah, it's it seems at least to me mostly related to like photography things, which is the Pro's bread and butter. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Was there anything that I missed uh, with the iPhone 15 in terms of photography changes that you wanted to highlight, Brad? Um, so, I mean, the 48 megapixel sensor should allow for like more detail. Apple showed off some crazy photo of like a, I don't know if it was an ultra wide or I guess it was probably a main lens shot and then like zoomed in, you could see like a shingle detail. So that was quite interesting. I seemed like there was um, improvements and changes to the photonic engine, which might change how processing happens. Oh, and um, the portrait mode depth blur is yeah, yeah, a lot right, better this right. year. I think that's on both phones, but uh, we'll see how that pans out and how exclusive that is to the new phones too the one the one thing that i found out that i i don't think we had in our initial coverage of the iphone 15 is that the world exclusive oh it's not it's out there it's, <laughs> there's people faster than us um this the sensor the 48 megapixel sensor i believe is actually it, it's not the same as the one that was in the 14 pro it's yeah. slightly smaller i'd read that it has a slightly smaller pixel size which shouldn't make much of a difference again yeah. but Still an improvement, and I'm sure when I when I do like side by side photos when I'm reviewing it, like they'll they'll look very very similar, comparable at least. It's getting harder without like pixel peeping, which then leads to like diminishing returns. Yeah, tell the difference. Yeah. Um. So yeah, let, let's move on to the iPhone 15 Pro, which I think is sort of the bell of the ball, so to speak. Uh, USB 3.0 transfer speeds, same curved edges as as the iPhone 15. Uh, one of the things that I was a big fan of is the fact that it's lighter. Definitely. Uh, I've I've found that the pro model iphones are very very heavy probably starting really? with, the, with the iphone 12 pro um like i was holding a 12 pro max recently and it just felt like a brick in my hand so i'm i'm hyped that we're going with the titanium that feels noticeably lighter um what did, what did you feel about that particular upgrade i think i like the uh, i like the heaviness of a higher end phone like the uh, okay, iphone 11 iphone x for instance was one that yeah, was yeah. Like heavier because it has the whole metal enclosure and all that sure. it was like a smaller size so it had a it good was like smaller. compact feel like it felt really tight yeah, yeah. it I felt like a high-end car for instance yeah yeah you always have that precision of, yeah that's, a, that's an interesting way of looking at it i never thought about it but i i understand why people want you know lighter phones and it, even though it's larger and all that titanium uh, stuff in it, it's actually pretty cool too but yeah, I like something that that feels heavy in your hand. Not you know, obviously too heavy, but something that feels like you have it and it's it's higher end because of that, right? That's fair enough. I think I'm I'm excited for the weight change. I haven't like held all of them to really know, so it's a little bit of speculative to like how big of a difference it will actually make. But um, last year with the 14 Plus and the 14 Pro Max, I liked the weight of the Plus more. So I'm hoping it just leans a little more that way. Heft is always good. I'm, I don't mind the weight, but a little lighter like the Plus always felt a little more comfortable in my hand. So the 14s worked. felt quite light, like not the Pro, but the the like base model. Yeah, exactly. They felt quite light to me, particularly the Plus. Yeah, the Plus, when I remember picking it up, I was like, oh, that's kind of nice, actually. So, um, And then another, I, I think, big change worth talking about is the the action button. Obviously, that's, mm -hmm. that's pretty big. Very true. Um, I, I just leave my phone on mute like I... I, I turn it on mute, and I, I never turn on my ringtone. I, I don't think that's a thing that, like, anyone does. It's just my parents is what it feels like sometimes. <laughs> um, so I, I think that it's really smart for Apple to be 
utilizing that real estate in the hardware in a, in a unique way. I think that it's cool that it's programmable. Um, I was a little nervous that it wouldn't be open to third-party developers. And I mean, to my understanding, it is, but it's through shortcuts. And so there's a bit of a roundabout way of doing that. Um, I was a little bit surprised because I, I thought that this would be something that the average like tech enthusiast would be into, but just a, like a temperature check from mobile syrup readers, it didn't seem to be something that anyone either cared about, and most of the sentiment was relatively negative regarding that feature. How how did you feel about the the action button? Well, I think it's a good idea. It's a good yeah. evolution of the, uh, the the toggle they had there forever, and that was a signature thing for the iPhone. They always had that thing, even don't think the iPod Touch had it or something. It did yeah. So it's something that and was the first uh, iPad, I think. Yeah, I think I think you're right. Is it on the so, first iPad, really? I'm pretty sure. That's yeah. cool. It, it, so it's something pretty iconic for for those those devices, right? So changing it for something that gives you more customization on how it uh, acts and all that, I think that's a smart move. Yeah, I um I kind of like to build off that too. I think shortcuts has been this thing that Apple released uh, three years ago, four years ago. It's been around for a while, but it's mm -hmm. not something that like I think the average person is really even aware of, or especially aware of the power that it could unlock. Have you go into it and like build a few shortcuts that kind of tailor themselves to your life? So I think having a hardware button to really be like in people's face, being like you can program this, you can make a shortcut, you could do something interesting. I think should go a long way to just making shortcuts more used, which is like a pretty powerful iPhone feature that is underutilized. Have you ever actually, like, I, I think shortcuts are cool. And I remember when people were doing those like crazy designs of iPhones through shortcuts, totally changing. The oh, look all of the iOS. icons and stuff. Yeah. I, I've never done anything like that myself. And the only time that I used shortcuts was to write about it. Like I, I did like a little piece about it. Do you like in regular use actually make shortcuts? No, I say similar to you. <laughs> yes. When I first announced, I wrote a guide. I made like 10, and then a couple of months after, I did another, like a follow-up. I, I remember more. when you wrote that guide for this. Yeah, time. and I just didn't find myself using them that much. Although, um, I've seen my friend David on Twitter using them the other day where he had made a widget with like more specific smart light controls within shortcuts than the Apple smart home control widget would have so there are things like that that i kind of was like oh i could probably get into that because i have a, a chandelier with like five smart lights so having to control all of them separately or as one big group is sometimes annoying it's like i just want to leave one on um so maybe a shortcut for that or something and i saw when i first did the review on the apple watch ultra which i'm embarrassed to not be wearing today um somebody had set a shortcut to like open their smart lock as they walked up to the door and i was like oh that's very james that's bond cool, yeah. so yeah, that's smart yeah things like that adding that to the shortcut button on the iphone would be cool i don't have a smart lock on my door but I think the people that do have that kind of stuff, you can get a lot out of it. So, you know, you mentioned it. I have one shortcut that I use on my phone. It's oh, yeah? the one to launch my uh, iRobot vacuum at home. Uh, That's a really good idea. So that idea. could be the action button on my phone now. Just uh, click it. Yeah, <laughs> I, I came straight from my phone. I kind of see like Great most idea. people now that they're kind of going to have shortcuts, not exactly thrown in their face, but more in front of their eyes, having just one or two that does make their lives a little bit easier and i think that's a feature that you could become connected to and will definitely keep you on ios because android's not going to have the same like level of integration with if this then that or it's whatever. true do you wish secretly that the shortcut button was like orange like it was a pixel device oh yeah absolutely like the action <laughs> the button on the wait uh it's called the action button right yeah not sorry, okay the official name but yeah like the yeah. button on the watch i was really hoping for like an off-color accent i thought that would be really fun um like the pixels used to have yeah I always love that. Pixels had that squeeze, squeezing I totally forgot about that. That, that, that yeah. was awesome. The squeeze to get Google Assistant to pop up, and you could do custom things with it, too. That was a really fun one, actually. They don't do that anymore. No, they removed it after. Yeah. I think they had it for one or two. It was only around for one generation. Pixel 3, I guess. Yeah, people probably didn't use it. But, yeah, that was awesome. It had, like, haptic feedback. That was a really cool way to interact with the phone. Mm-hmm.
So with the 15 Pro, I, I think some of the other changes are on the camera side. And I, I, I don't know if it was like during that portion of the presentation, I was editing someone's story or something like that. But a lot of that flew over my head. Brad, you're the kind of camera nerd of the website. Do you want to recap some of the things that stood out for you regarding the iPhone 15 Pro and the Pro Max? Like, I know there's the the five times optical zoom. That's a big one. I think people are excited about that. Mm -hmm. um, but is there is there anything else that you wanted to highlight? Yeah, I mean, I'll start with the zoom and work backwards, I think. So there's 5X optical zoom. That's like a big change this year. Something that we've seen on Android phones for a while. And it uses... Apple had a specific term for it, but it, it was a way to like sort of bend the light in a small package that wasn't exactly the same periscope design that we've seen on Android, but it does look to be using some smaller periscopes to achieve that effect over distance. And the 5X Zoom also had a three-axis stabilization, which I think is the first time that third axis has been added to uh, iPhone camera, or maybe yep. just the iPhone no, no, Zoom the first, camera? Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, so that should help a lot, but keeping those zoom shots stable because the for people that don't know, the further you zoom, the more your shakes in your hand become noticeable. So that's pretty cool. And then working your way back, you still have the 3X zoom that you always had, but I believe it's like a, a software bin similar to the 2X zoom last year. And then you have 2X, and then uh, you can also set 35, 26, and 24. I don't know about the 26, 24. There are two other focal lengths that kind of get progressively wider. So you, And then the macro. So it gives you sort of the ability to have nine different lenses, I think, that's on the cool. camera. Yeah, and um, the part that I'm the most excited about is you can set your default focal length now. So right now when you open up the iPhone camera, it's always, I think, 26 millimeters because that's what the camera mm -hmm. is. But now if you want it to be like, oh, I always want it to open a 35, I want that little bit more zoom, you can just set that, which is... Oh, I didn't catch that. At yeah, all. something I've been kind of champ championing for a while ever since I used the ZTEX in 30 and it had like a built-in 35 focal, 35 millimeter focal length equivalent. And so I always love that on phones, but most phones go wider, I think, because it's a lot of taking landscapes, taking pictures of people together. So I'm happy that I can go a little tighter just by natural. And that's really the big difference for me. There are some hardware changes too, but that's... Just the more sort of fake lens options is kind of what I'm hyped about. I don't, I don't know if you, you've had feedback from your readers about the 5X zoom because it could have gone to, you know, 6. The rumors had 6X or even, I think, 10X. There's some with, like, 10 times optical zoom to mm -hmm. kind of match what Samsung's doing with, yeah. with the Ultra. And uh, I like the uh, the answer they gave us uh, yesterday about that when I asked, why not, you know, a, yeah. a bigger telephoto lens? And mm -hmm. they said, well, you know, you can do a very crappy photo with the 10X or 20X. And this is very true. The, the longer you're telephoto is the, the more difficult it is to do a very sharp very clear photo so yeah, yeah there's more processing more dehazing yeah, I like it just that starts balance. to look broken down yeah mm -hmm. i do think that the 10 times that the s23 ultra does look pretty good like samsung's figured out a way for it to work so in some sense like i can't help but be slightly disappointed that apple didn't do something similar but on the other hand i also feel like for my purposes at least the type of photos that i'm taking five five times optical is probably better. Like I remember, I, I haven't reviewed a Samsung device in years, but when that feature first launched, I think with the S20, um, I always felt like 10 times was too close. Yeah. Like, it was rare that I needed but to I be that to say, close yeah. to something. So yeah. it's shaky, it's blurry, and you also lose some of the of the colors because there's probably some some uh, algorithms in the background that you know work on the photo, but yeah. Yeah, yeah I agree. I um, Not to talk about other phones too, too much, but the 5X on the Pixel 7 Pro, I've been like in love with this year. So I'm very happy to see it come mm -hmm. to the iPhone. I'm not sure exactly if the sort of 5X is the same exact focal length across both of them. But yeah, that I've been finding was like a really good length to like punch in to just like, you know, a little bit over there, get across the street kind of thing. Like that was more the distances that yeah. I wanted it for. I'm sure Apple had some data like in to indicate that that's more useful for its users too. So I, I get it from that perspective. Mm -hmm. Um, so next up, we have the Apple Watch Ultra, which I think 
beyond Double Tap, which we've, we've talked about a little bit, and I, I do want to talk about it again, I think was a relatively minor update. Like, we're talking about a brighter screen. Um, the screen was already very bright. I think the it was first, 2000 first gen before, it was yeah. 2000. Okay. Um, and then we have the S9 chip. Mm-hmm. So pretty much the same devices as last year, all, all, all things considering. Um, and, and this is how the, the Apple Watch refresh cycle has gone for the last few years. I personally was hoping for the, um, I don't know if you saw it, Elaine, but there was a, a black model that w- was leaked. Yes, um, I saw that. I was I was looking forward to forward to that. Similar to yeah. the color of these Air- AirPods. Yeah. I, w- I was hyped for that. I was like, oh, this is going to be great. I'm going to wear this all the time. And, and that, that didn't happen. Um, how, how did you guys feel about the, the Apple Watch Ultra 2 review? I, I, re- reveal, I was a little underwhelmed. I was hoping for a bit more beyond just the, the processor bump. Well, the Ultra, like the last year's watch was actually pretty complete, right? I, I compared it to Garmin, to Sunto, to uh, Polar watches, and that, that cost the same amount of money. And it was it was doing better in most situations. So it, it felt like it's still relevant today. So having just those small minor upgrades on it makes a lot of sense. And I think the main thing this year for the Apple watches, both of them, is that carbon neutral thing where they just like... That's a good point. Very good you know, point. They're, they're more... Um, I mean, uh, more sustainable, that yeah, yeah. More sustainable. And, thank you. Uh, so, so I think that's a big thing for the watch uh, this year. Obviously, more you know, a brighter display and all that is actually pretty good. Um, I'm curious how much that will come into play in the field. Like, I felt like the 2000 was enough when I was in the sun. Maybe you could punch it up a little bit, but I'm wondering if the 3000 is really just to make the flashlight more useful. One thing I would have liked is to have that SOS uh, satellite thing mm. in the watch itself, because sometimes yeah. you go don't necessarily go very far, but you go in the mountain then. You don't bring the phone along. I don't do. I don't bring my phone when I go outside on, on outdoor stuff most of the mm-hmm. time, and uh, that would have been you know a nice feature to have. That I would thought, be cool. I, I thought that was coming personally. Like mm-hmm. I really thought that that was this, this was the year they were going to announce that. So I was surprised. Um, but Brad, you you've like actually taken the Apple Watch Ultra camping. Um, I would describe you as like mobile syrups Apple Watch Ultra expert to some extent. Did you? Like, were you? Are you excited to try out the two? Uh, like I was saying, the flashlight going a little bit brighter. Like when I was camping and spending so much time kind of in the dark, I was using the flashlight on mm-hmm. the Apple Watch Ultra a lot, actually. So getting a little bit brighter makes that a lot more useful. Um, other than that, yeah, I'm not sure. I guess the screen being brighter. Just I remember um, a lot of times like when I was canoeing and trying to like look at the little map. Another thing, huge problem I have with Apple Watch, just in general, the maps are like dark mode only. I don't oh, know why. Good point, you're right. But yeah, and so like when you're trying to use them in the sun, it's kind of counterintuitive. But anyway, the bright screen on the Apple Watch Ultra kind of negates that, especially because it's bigger. But um, yeah, that that was like the most like sunshiny kind of spot where I was using it. So the brighter screen there. But yeah, I really wanted uh, like another 10 hours of battery life. I was gonna say because we have to say it, like a 40 yeah. battery life would be awesome on this thing. Probably yeah. like very hard to do, but I think it would change a lot of people's opinions on it too. I think like the big hurdle for people that are even sportier than me kind of is the battery life. Like mm-hmm. people really want to just like have it last and last and last. My uh, brother does tons of camping, and that's what he always tells me is why he can't switch to the Apple Watch Ultra is because and your brother does like really hardcore like, like backwoods camping. Yeah, He's like gone for two weeks, for, yeah. canoeing all over the place, that kind of thing, where he doesn't really have the opportunity to charge and that's part of why he is just like stuck on garmin devices yeah, yeah but even just for a weekend you go camping outside and you just you know somewhere where there are there are no wireless signals so you actually don't need your phone really except for photos or whatever oh actually so you leave it in the car and then you go camping and if having your watch functional for the whole weekend would be actually a big plus for sure yeah well the ultra should get you close to the whole weekend i think but yeah i agree yeah. an extra little bit but also one thing we talked about leaving the phone in the car is that have on device theory on the watches now that's good which point. is kind of cool yeah something that i didn't use that often in my like regular life but when i was camping i felt like i was in situations with my just my watch more and it was like setting cooking timers on the watch like doing able to 
do things. And that's, I had data, so I was able to use Siri effectively then. But in situations where I don't, that's pretty cool. And I'm excited that on device Siri can mm -hmm. watch us for sure. Uh, yeah. When I go camping, actually, I have an RV and I have like an outdoor oh. Bluetooth oh, yeah. video, so I can actually put music and I pair it with my watch and not my phone. Oh. And that's having the signal and having the watch standalone uh, and more battery life. That would be the perfect setup for me. But That'd be cool. Yeah. That's cool. the short battery life is what makes it. So in the interest of time, we'll, we'll blast through the, the Series 9, a 2000 nit screen upgrade, obviously, from uh, the, the S8 series and the S9 chip and a new color, which I can never remember pink what aluminum. it's called. Pink, pink, alu pink aluminum. Pink aluminum. Yep. Because I, I know we're like, is it pink gold, rose gold? Well, what's it? Yeah. <laughs> I asked a dude at the event yesterday and he said it was pink, pink, aluminum. pink aluminum. He asked another guy and then he said pink aluminum. So it, down I, the chain, we got to figure it out. I think, again, it's it's a relatively minor update. Most of the new features are brought on by watchOS 10, um, which I think is stellar. I've been using it for quite some time. I think a lot of people are really going to like watchOS 10. Um, but... I, I mean, I guess with the Series 9, it's a double tap, coming back yeah. to double tap. Like, double tap was very cool. I think that Apple's doing something with design language there where there's a crossover with, with the Vision Pro, which is very fascinating. It's almost like they're trying to train people to think about that pinch gesture in the same way that you would use a trackpad or a touchscreen with multi-touch, that kind of thing. Because um, I, 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 I want to move on to, to, to something a, a little bit different. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll just leave the, the Series 9 at that. You don't think we should just spend the rest of the time talking about double tap? What else do you got? What else do you got in there? I got so, so much. So here, here, we, we yeah. could talk about double tap, or I wanted to ask Elaine his favorite, uh, like, uh, Apple event moment. Oh, well, I just want to throw something in because you're talking yeah, yeah. about the Vision Pro and the watch. Yeah. You know how when they showed the Vision Pro, they said you can look at the MacBook display and it will pop up? Mm -hmm. I'm hoping they'll have a secret feature when the Vision Pro comes out. You the can do that why? with an Apple Watch. That would make a lot of the sense. Series 9, very cool. would, Series 9 would fit pretty well in that. That would be cool. Up. Talk about double tap. We'll we'll, um, we'll let you have your say about double tap, and then I'll throw to him, and then we'll we'll, we'll wrap it up. Yeah, I was just gonna say I read this for dinner last night. I didn't get to talk to you about it, but a few years ago there was an Apple patent that came out for a ring that you would use to control a computer interface, and this really feels like the watch taking that place for perhaps the Vision Pro, perhaps mm -hmm. for other things. But I don't know if you guys remember, like years ago there was like these Kickstarter for like armbands you would wear that you could like yes, twist. Yes, there was a Canadian like, startup like, that had something with my fingers, my like my or something. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but it's like oh, now are we actually going to see sort of that come to fruition through the Apple Watches. And in a long time in the Apple ecosystem, the Apple Watch has been like that like add-on that you get. You're like, okay, I have the phone, I have a computer, I might as well get the watch, maybe I'll do some running, like whatever. But it was never super necessary. But if it becomes this new control scheme paradigm, the watch instantly like rockets almost to the second place in the Apple ecosystem list. And I think that's a really interesting sort of like path that they've set the watch on that I was not yeah. expecting at all. I, uh, I received a Motorola phone uh, last week for something else entirely but they still have those gestures that you can quickly activate stuff mm -hmm. and i feel like we don't use gestures enough in the like in the electronics world that this thing could probably do much more gesture control i remember at wwdc too they were talking about how with watch os 10 there was gonna be more precise like risk controls for like golf swing tracking and stuff which leads me to believe that there would be a lot more precision gestures that can be unlocked mm -hmm. once we kind of get used to double tap and they they allow us to try yeah, i think there's other. a full potential there of, of way to interact with your your watch your phone whatever exactly uh, and through just not tapped into at this point other things like universal control there's like a lot of groundwork here to be really connecting things and really like wirelessly controlling things it's futuristic and who knows but minority report <laughs> yeah I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see more apple watch gestures like even as soon as next year like oh, yeah. I, I, yeah this is like the start of something very different for what apple's doing and 
I know there were like a, a fair amount of negative jokes about the gesture on the internet saying that like it kind of looks stupid. Do you really want to stand there doing that? And I mean, my answer to that is not standing there. It's like on your side. Like sure. You have, it, to have, you know, you're just yeah, very casual. And I would rather do that than like talk to Siri in public personally. Like that, that's how I, I would, how I think about it. Um, so yeah, th those are all the, the, the like core things that were revealed at the event. There's a few things that I wanted to get to that we, we don't have time for, like talk a little bit more about the environment or the, the fine woven cases, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. I'm a yeah. case guy. I, 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 I guess we could say we built them. They kind of felt like suede. They seemed to have like a nice tough edge on them. We're going to test them more, but I'm as excited about the new cases. And there's a bunch of new Apple watch bands that I'm excited about too. I, I always like the new bands and, and the new cases. Those are things that are and hype me up. Some of the, I wish I could remember the specifics. Maybe I should have wrote this down, but there are some bands that are specific or completely carbon neutral and some that are just like yeah. semi-renewable. So some have recycled stuff. plastic and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, j just to wrap things up, Elaine, just because we have you, we have you on the syrup cast. We've trapped you here. We've trapped you here. We we have your attention. You've been to a lot of these events over the years. Like, what was your favorite moment from any Apple event that you've personally attended? Well, I uh, I'm just gonna take a, take a step back first and say that those pre-recorded videos. I mean, we should. I mean. Uh, Talking to Apple, they should they should stop that. We need to have those humans back on stage, even if it doesn't go uh, it doesn't go as planned all the time. Uh, I mean, having that human on stage talk to us is sometimes much more fun. sometimes when it doesn't go as planned, those create like exciting moments in a way that that aren't always negative for Apple. I know it's probably like unnecessary in terms of risk of doing live stuff sure, like yeah, demos because yeah. that was the thing at, the, at when we, this was in San Francisco on the Moscone Center or whatever they would do it. Uh, I mean, having that that connection with those people on stage, I felt like it was more uh, exclusive or it was more fun being there in person because now you can stream it and see the, the same thing at home. And I get it why they do that. I mean, I, I totally understand. But as a reporter, it's nice to be there and have that exclusive access to people. Totally, I agree. Uh, obviously, there are briefings and everything after, but that's okay. Uh, but that uh, and the Apple Park is awesome. It's a very nice setup. The Steve Jobs Theater is amazing. The sound, everything is perfect. But being in the city, being in that area where there's more stuff happening around it, that was pretty cool in the past, dude. That's something. That's that's the one thing I would miss. I would say, oh. uh, being in the city itself. But other than that, coming here is just awesome because it's, just, it's everything is new, <laughs> everything works, everything's just pretty great. Yeah, and, quite uh, unique and feels. There, there are no glitches. Everything is just like very well, you know, prearranged. Well, so well, that's pretty cool. I think I only like my time covering Apple. Um, I think I only went to one event that was in the Moscone Center. Is it Moscone or Moscone? I don't know. I say both. I, I, I've changed. always wondered. I've always wondered. Yeah. I've, I've, I only did it once, and like it, it is, it is night and day. And I, I do agree with you that uh, there's something about just seeing people on stage when you're watching it in mm -hmm. person that's different than the the live streams. And like I, I, I totally understand um, why Apple's taking that direction with the presentations, but helps it go global. I think it does. Yeah, and it, I mean they're more produced. They're they're slicker. That kind of thing. Um, but yeah, generally speaking, it, uh, it would be nice to see more in-person stuff again like that. Um, yeah, I, I think that's a, a good place to wrap up the Servcast. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at, at Patrick underscore Rourke and, of course, on mobileserve.com. We have a ton of content on the site right now. All and lots more coming. Yeah, lots more coming. Um, we'll have, well, by the time people listen to this, all of our hands-ons with the various devices will be up on the site. Um, we published, like, an insane amount of news yesterday. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, there, there's a lot of stuff up there to to take a look at. Um, and, and Brad, where, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me pretty much anywhere, pretty much anywhere online at the Brad Fad, and then of course on MobileSyrup.com and our YouTube channels, doing stuff over there. We put a couple of short form videos up yesterday, and I wrote uh, hands on with the Apple Watch. Yeah, that, that should be up on the site now. Yeah, that'll be yeah. up by the time. Oh, that's up now. 
as we're recording. So it'll be. <laughs> and uh, last but certainly not least, Elaine, where can people find you? And is there anything that you you want to promote on the, the podcast? Today? I'm fairly easy to find. I'm uh, my uh, my handle is Mekken M C K E N on most social platforms. So uh, anywhere you want to look for it, you have to brush up in your French though, because that's mostly <laughs> what I do. I'm everything <laughs> okay. in French. Uh, but that's where I yeah I'll I'll, I'll put my content uh, on those on those platforms. So that's that's where you'll find me. As sometimes I'll see uh, you tweet something, and I like because I am not smart enough to speak two languages. I, I I don't know what you're saying, but then I'll I'll speak to my wife who is bi- bilingual and be like, hey, what is Elaine saying here? And she'll let me know, and then I'm like, yes, now now I understand what he's talking about. Um, but yeah, thanks a lot for coming on the podcast. Yeah, thanks Thank for you. having me. Super fun. And that's it. Thanks for listening and and watching. Peace. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.